I'm not very good at keeping secrets. So I don't pretend to just make you wait and try to figure out what the topic's going to be today. But it's going to be on generosity. And this hymn that you just sung, you sung, he treads the heavenly road and he neither faints nor tires. That generous love, that generous love, that love that is in the fountain whence and true obedience flows, that generous love which swarms to bless and with fortitude inspires. That generous love. Generosity. So we're going to read from Ruth this morning. Uh, and while you're turning there, when you think of Ruth, you hear Ruth's name. It is pretty prevalent that you think about Ruth when she says, Entreat me not to leave thee, nor to return from falling after thee, for whither thou goest I will go, and where thou lodgest I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. That is that is a phrase that is that is attached to Ruth that we all know Ruth by, which is great. She was she was sincere in this. But here in Ruth we find how three people were very strong in character and in being truth to God, true to God, even when the society around them was crumbling and falling apart. And that's Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. So we want to read from chapters 2 and 3 this morning. The second and third chapter of, of Ruth. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a mighty man of wealth, of the family Emelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him, in whom sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the kindred of Emelech. And now Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servants that were set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me let me glean and gather out the reapers among the sheaves. So she came, and after continued even from the morning until now, that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hear thou not, my daughter, hearst thou not, my daughter, go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast with thy maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap. And go thou after them, have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art thirst, go into the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why hast thou found grace in thine eyes? And thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger. And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed me. All that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother, the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. 
the Lord recompense thy work. And a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. When she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for thou, for that thou hast comforted me, for thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, thou, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaids. And Boaz said unto her, A mealtime come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and she reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and was sufficed, and left. And when she had risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not, and let fall among also some of the handfuls of purpose for her, and leave them, that she may glean them, and rebuke her not. So she gleaned in the field unto even, beat out that which she had gleaned, it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw that she had gleaned, and she brought forth, and gave to her, and that she had reserved after she was sufficed. And her mother-in-law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today? And, and where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought and said, The man's name with whom I wrought this today is Boaz. Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, The man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. And Ruth and Moabitess, Said he said also unto me, said unto me also, thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. And Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that thou goest out with the maidens, and they meet not, they meet thee not in any other field. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz and gleaned unto the end of the barley harvest and of the wheat harvest and dwelt with her mother-in-law. Chapter 3, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now it, it is not Boaz of our kindred, whose maidens thou wast. Behold, he winnereth barley tonight on the threshing floor. Wash thyself therefore and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor, but make not thyself known unto the man until he shall have done eating and drinking. And it shall be when he lieth down, thou shalt mark the place where he lieth down, and thou shalt go in and uncover his feet, lay down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, All that thou sayest of me I will do. She went down unto the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn, and she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. And it came to pass that midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself, and behold, a woman laid at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thy handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, that for thou art a near kinsman. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter. Thou hast showed me, thou hast showed more kindness to the, in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest 
not young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fearest not. I will do to thee all that thou requirest, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And now it is true that I am thy near kinsman. Howbeit there is a kinsman near, nearer than me. Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform to thee a, the part of a kinsman well, let him do the kinsman part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee, as the Lord liveth. Lie down in, until the morning. And she laid at his feet until the morning. She rose up before one could know another. And she said, and he said, Let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. Also he said, Bring the veil that thou hast upon thee, and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley, and laid it on her, and she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Who art thou, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done to her. And she said, These six measures of barley gave he me, for he said to me, Go not empty unto thy mother-in-law. Then says she, Sit still, my daughter, until thou hast known the matter will fall, for the man will not be in rest until he has finished the thing this day. Luke chapter 12. In the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, first of all, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, Whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, that which, and that which ye have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which hath, which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are more valuable than many sparrows. Also I say unto you, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. And whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But unto him that blasphemeth against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven. And when they bring you into the synagogues and unto magistrates and powers, take ye no thought how or what thing ye shall answer or what ye shall say. For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what ye ought to say. And one of the company said unto him, Master, Master, 
Speak to my brother, that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful, plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God saith unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasures for himself, and is not rich toward God. And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, neither for the body, what you shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouses nor barns. And God feedeth them, how much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you will take one thought, with taking one thought shall add to his stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider not the lilies, how they grow, they toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye? of little faith. And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that ye have, and give alms. Provide yourself bags, which wax not old, a treasure in heaven, in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart also. Let your loins be girt about, and your lights burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that waiteth for the Lord, when he will return from the wedding, that when he openeth, when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that 
he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and findeth them so, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. But ye therefore ready also, be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speaketh thou this parable unto us, or even to all? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise, wise steward, whom his Lord shall make rule over his house, to give them their portion of meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Of a truth, I say unto you, that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But if that, but if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall be to beat the men servants, begin to beat the men servants and maidens, and to eat and drink and to be drunken. The Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and and at an hour when he was is not aware, and will cut him asunder, and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant, when he knew his Lord's will, which he knew his Lord's will, and prepared not himself, beateth with many stripes, shall be beateth with many stripes. But he that do not, and did commit things worthy of stripes, shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much of him, they will ask the more. I am come to send fire on the earth. And what will I, if it be already kindled? But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how am I straightened till it be accomplished? Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth, I tell you, nay, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two, and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son, and the son against the father, and the mother against the daughter, and the daughter against the mother the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And he said also to the people, When ye see a cloud rise out of the west, straightway ye say, There cometh a shower, and so it is. And when ye see the south wind blow, ye say, There will be heat, and it cometh to pass. Ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it that ye do not discern this time? Yea, and why even of yourselves judge ye not what is right? When thou goest with thine adversaries to the magistrate, as thou art in the way, give diligence that thou mayest be delivered from him, lest he hail thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and the officer cast thee into prison. I tell thee, that thou shalt not depart thence, 
last penny, the very last mite. First, I want to graciously thank you for allowing Luke 12 to be read. It was a long chapter, but I don't know if you heard it or not, but I asked that some brother would read an important portion of the gospel message. So don't discredit Luke 12 because of its length. I want you to assess and take in the importance of that's the part of the gospel message. Now, I scanned the crowd while it was being read and some was looking down and reading along and some was focused on Brother Jeff as he was reading it, taking in the gospel message. I just believe it because it is of importance to us. And there could be many, many, many topics taken out of this one chapter alone because it's a lot of information here that pertains to the gospel message. But we had it read because I think that there is six or seven points in here on generosity. So that's why we had it read and we'll refer back to that in a little. Now when we talk about giving and generosity I imagine that it's pretty quick that you would come to think that somebody wants to get in your wallet. Somebody wants to get in your pocket and dig around and pull out what you have accumulated. Yeah, that's what I think when somebody talks about generosity, being generous and giving, but that is, that, that's an important part. That's the important part is to uh, share what we've been given because in Mark 12, you can go back a book to the same chapter. Is that got this? Back in Mark 12 on the financial giving, you, you read in verse 41 that Jesus sat. He sat over here on the side at the, uh, against the treasury and he beheld how people came and cast <coughs> into the treasury. You know, there was the rich that come by and with a little, uh, investigation or research, there was different types of coins in them days, uh, some of the Jewish coins, I believe it was, had more silver in them, so they they ring around and banged and whatever. And I could just imagine Jesus sat over on the side watching folks come through and put into the treasure that these rich men, out of their abundance, they're holding their coins up. There's a probably a genuine little bit like this, and they might would look around and say, Hey, Levi, can you see what I'm getting ready to do? Hey, Jeff, I'm getting ready to throw in a handful of coins and hold it up here and make ding, 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 ding. There was a jingling and rattling around going in and Jesus was sitting right over here watching that. But he also sat there by and was watching the treasury as the poor widow. She come along and I can imagine her head was down and she was just walking in humility, just coming right up to that tray, that little bowl or whether it's putting them coins in and her light little small mites. She just laid them over in there. And yeah, they probably jingled just a time or two and they soon reached the bottom and she went on. But what did, what did Jesus say? He called unto him his disciples and said to them, Verily I say unto you, this poor widow hath cast in more. And all they that have cast into the treasure, for they did cast out of their abundance. But she of her want did cast 
all that she had had, even all of her living. Now, this is a preliminary definition of, of generosity. This poor lady, this poor widow, for the sacrifice of her only possessions as far as financial, exchanged it for complete trust. She knew, as we read here in Luke 12, that even the ravens, even the, even the birds of the air, they know not where their next meal's coming from because God takes care of them. And this poor widow, she exchanged her possessions for the complete trust that God would provide. Now, we talk about generosity. We, uh, you may uh, get off of the financial side of it, and then we'll get on to time. Time is important. I got an idea that your calendars and schedules are just plumb packed full nearly. Not allowing much time for anything outside of ourselves. Maybe I'm judging you. I don't know. I'm speaking from where I am. Maybe you're not that away. But time is valuable. Matter of fact, I'll just ask you a question now. What have you done with the 166 hours that you've had since you was last dismissed from a worship service? What have you done with that time? We're not giving any more time. There's 24 hours in a day. You cannot make it 24 and a half. You can't make it 25. It's 24. And God knows the, the end from the beginning, so he knows how much time you got here. We don't know how much time we have personally. But what are we doing with the time that we do have? How are we using it? Are we generous with it? Just a question. Are we generous with it? Well, last October, we was scurrying and hurrying around there at Shenandoah getting ready for uh, a love feast and, and the, the kitchen that church was becoming very close to complete and there was a cooler set in that kitchen that needed a couple parts and uh, the cooler had been shined up and polished and set in but the condenser fans inside the uh, cooler needed some grills the grills that was in it was all rusty and was flaky and coming apart so we took it upon ourselves to try to find some new grills for this to cover these fans. Now, if we didn't put the grills in place, we could just imagine throughout the Love Feast weekend, somebody might reach up in there and, you know, a fan catch a finger and, or catch some food and might ruin a nice cake or something. But did you, uh, so we went on a journey to try to find these, uh, grills. We couldn't find them online. We tried. I took measurements. The mounting hole dimensions and just could not find exactly what it needed. He even put the cooler brand and serial number in and to no avail. So I went to Run Oak to uh, Southern Refrigeration. That's where we get a lot of refrigeration parts. And uh, as soon as I gave them the brand and the serial number and even laid, laid the rusty grill up on the counter, nope, can't help you. You don't have that available no more. So they, they, uh, Suggested I go just next door to the appliance store, so I jump in the truck and back over to the appliance store and laid the 
rusty grill on the counter, can't help you. They sent me across the street up to uh, Airco Refrigeration, and that guy said, yeah, I think we, we, I think, I just seen one here. I believe we got exactly what you need, and so we spent 15, 20 minutes looking, and come to find out they just done inventory the Friday before, and they hadn't sold many of them, so they tossed them out. Well, they sent me down to another place in Roanoke, and, and then that place sent me to another place, and the fifth place I visited, he didn't, he couldn't help me, but he said, I'd like for you to go down to Roanoke Restaurant Equipment. And he told me where it was, and he gave me the address. I wrote it down and punched in my phone GPS, and it took me down in the middle of almost nowhere to a little old place with, in the hole in the wall, I call it. And I walked in, and whoo, you couldn't hardly get up and down the aisles with inventory or stuff just sitting around. Old restaurant equipment, deep fat fryer baskets and just things all over the place. And if he had a grill that would fit my cooler, where would we ever find it? But there behind the counter was a man by the name of Terry Tomas. And he was helping another individual. So while I waited, started getting tired and looked around. There's an old school bus seat sitting there that we could use to rest while we waited. So I sat on that and his mom was sitting there near me. So she, we got a little acquainted. Then it was time for Terry to help me and I was giving him my information and showed him the grill and, and he looked through old catalogs. He reached back and grabbed another catalog, opened that catalog up, went back to his computer and looked on the internet and all this was just taking time and thought we might could go back over here in the back corner and find a grill for our cooler. We followed him and we couldn't find it so we come back to the counter and I was starting to get a little antsy. 20, 25 minutes had done passed. And I said, well, let's uh, maybe forget about the grill to cover the uh, condenser fans. I said, I had, I need some shelf brackets. So I pulled an old shelf bracket out of my pocket, laid up on the counter. And he said, yeah. He said, I think I got those. He actually just reached right down under the counter and got a couple old white envelopes out and matched up a couple. And, whew, I did wasn't a waste of trip. I could get some shelf brackets. So we laid them up here on the side. He says, I ain't done with that grill yet. He said, I think, still think I can help you with that grill. So we spent some more time. And finally, he found a site on his computer that he gave me. And he says, I believe this is the grill that you want, that you need. And he wrote the site down, the web, a web address, and, and handed it to me. And I put it in my pocket. And uh, I said, well, Terry, I said, I need to pay you for these uh, these shelf brackets. So he rung them up and he said, you owe me $18. And I looked at my phone time and here, Terry, he had spent 46, 48 minutes waiting on me to sell me $18 worth of shelf. But Terry was a kind man. Terry was a man that was generous with his time that he wanted to help me find what I needed. Not to leave you hanging, I did go to the website, order those uh, fan grills, and they fit. And I had my shelf brackets. How are we? Are we willing to work 46, 48 minutes for an $18 sale?
There he was. That's an example of time. Yes. I know that we think about where we are. We think about all that we've gave in the past. If we start to justify self that we're satisfied with what we've done in, in the realm of generosity. We've been generous here. We gave there. Maybe we like the rich as we hold these coins up here and let them dribble. Clink, clank into the bowl. Somewhat pride starts to reach in, starts to set in our mind, and we justify for things that we don't do. How are we with our generosity? We can go back in Luke 10, just a few chapters back. Verse 25, it says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, tempted the master, saying, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he says, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answered him, Thou shalt love the neighbor of thy God. With, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said, Thou hast answered right. This do. This do and thou shalt live. But he was willingly, willing to justify himself and he said unto Jesus, Who is my neighbor? Now I got an idea that if we would just stop right here <clears throat> and we would open the floor up for testimony, we would have plenty of testimony on who is our neighbor. Because folks, I believe I'm looking into the faces of those that know who the neighbors are. Those that are willing to share and give. But, we're going to soon get away from time and money. And we're going to get in a little deeper to our spiritual realm. Because Brad, he he didn't know where we was going this morning. I ain't too sure I know where we're going, but we're going to get a little deeper than just time and money. But, Jesus answered him and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves and was stripped of his raiment. And they wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Well, priest, you should know better than that, shouldn't he? Then he just passed by. But no, priest starts thinking within themselves. I've done this over here. I've done that over there. I got to get to the temple and continue my work. Well, likewise, a Levite. When he was at the place, he came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Well, a Levite? He ought to know better, oughtn't he? We sit here saying a Levite ought to be well aware of what he should be doing in this situation. But no, his political clout prevented him to reach down to some old guy that's been beaten by the thieves and stripped. He was too high up. To help those that was in need. But you know there was a certain Sumerian. As he journeyed when he came. He was to where he was. And when he had saw him. What did he do? 
He had compassion on him, didn't he? He cared for him. There was a, a movement in his heart, in his soul, that said, this man needs help, and I want to provide what I can. And he went to him, and he bound up his wounds. He took action. He bound up his wounds. He poured in oil and wine, probably some products that he was carrying along for another purpose somewhere else. I'm not sure what to use oil and wine for in those days, but he used his own. And he set him on his own beast. You telling me that I, that I gotta get off and walk while somebody else rides? Well, this don't sound like what myself wants. And he brought him to an end and took care of him. When they pulled up in front of the inn, do you think that this Samaritan looked at this poor beggar or this guy that was stripped, a certain man, and said, well, hey, time for you to get off of my donkey, and it's time for me to get on. Jump off, go on in, I'm going, I'm, I gotta get going. No, he didn't stop at that. He went in and checked him in, and he made him comfortable. Yes, he made him comfortable. He brought him into the inn and took care of him. And tomorrow morning, he even stayed overnight, it sounds like. And on tomorrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said to him, Take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, I'll come again and repay thee. Now, this man's compassion reached into the unknowns that I'm afraid I'm going to have to admit to you this morning that my compassion stops far short of. Yep. Yep, I've gave people a ride. I've helped people change a tire. I've helped people do this and that. Y'all hear what I'm doing? I, I've done this and I've done that. And I started to get satisfied. But how many times did I actually take the guy's flat tire and go fix it and get back to it? And I'm not saying all this is these these uh, uh details are are pertinent to every situation, but I'm trying to paint the picture of how deep this man's compassion was within his soul. But I'm not gonna stop. Which now of these thinkest thou was neighbor to him that fell among the thieves? Now, you don't have to give me an answer, but I'm going to beg you to give yourself an answer. Which of these three, thinkest thou, was neighboring to him that fell among the thieves? What is my life's answer? What is your life's answer? You answer to yourself. But but he said, he that showed mercy on him, and Jesus said, good answer. Good answer. Great answer. Go and do thou likewise. Probably ought to just stop and let y'all ponder on that, but probably uh, you expect him to go on, so I'll go on. Colossians 3 says in verse 12, Put on therefore as the elect of God. You claim that title this morning, don't you? The elect of God. Holy and beloved. Put on bowels of mercy 
kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your heart, to the which also you're called in one body, and be ye thankful. Now, there was a lot to unpack out of that package. But I want to go back and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. We want you to have this bowels of mercy. We want to promote kindness and humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another even. Christ has forgiven you, to which also you're called to do the same. That's part of this gospel message. We sat down with a young man this past Tuesday evening. That's uh, well, we didn't sit down with him. We were Ned and I was having a supper meal, and and he got up from another table and he seen us. We was acquainted already, so he come and he sat with us for a little bit, and he shared with us something during our conversation that just fit right in with what we're wanting to portray today. And that is, he's telling about young men that sign these big contracts to play ball. And he said that an NFL agent once said that getting these contracts of these young men where they receive millions and millions of dollars as young men, I'm talking about young men still in their upper teens and definitely the low 20s, just all of a sudden are sitting here and there's a basket full of money sitting right in front of them that is there. But this agent, this is the quote that he gave. Once receiving millions, it just makes them more of who they already are. If greedy, they want more. If generous, they'll be more generous. That's from an NFL agent. So what does that say about me? What does that say about us this morning? When we receive more, it makes us more of who we already are. Yep, we're probably not talking about baskets full of money. But we're given more time each day. We're given a new day for a purpose. So let's talk about generosity for a little while. What about God's generosity to us? We would not at all decline to agree that we are the Beneficiaries of God's grace, generous grace, and generous mercy day by day. Nobody would stand up and say, well, I don't receive grace and mercy, would you? <clears throat> we are daily recipients. Daily. Moment by moment. Generously given. Matter of fact, I think that 
grace, it, uh, there's a scripture that says great, that grace may more abound. I mean, it's just, it's just more and more. I, I feel like sometime that some of you going to come up short because I'm taking so much of his grace and his mercy. But it's enough out there for everybody. For the, those that hasn't heard already before, if you want a definition of grace, it is simply receiving that which we don't deserve. That is a good definition I like of grace. Matter of fact, uh, we sung a hymn yesterday at our gathering that, uh, that there was a couple lines in it that I went out to the Tahoe and wrote them down because I wanted to share them here about grace. And that is in hymn number 73, the third verse. It says, my never failing treasury filled with boundless stores of grace. Ain't that a consolation? That grace is ever abounding. Then there's mercy. And a simple definition for mercy is that we are not receiving what we do deserve. Grace is receiving what we don't deserve and mercy is not receiving what we do deserve. So grace and mercy. I am thankful for it every day. Grace and mercy. So, now let's go back to Luke 12, where we heard an important part of the gospel message this morning. Now, I want to set the scene. I was intrigued with this scene as it, as in the first verse. It says, in the meantime, when there was gathered together a numerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod upon each other. In other words, the people was interested in this gospel message. I could just see a crowd getting so big and heavy that you know, I think of a stampede. I mean, I just think, is there people getting trapped upon trying to reach and be able to hear this gospel message? But it says that here. He said that it's so much that they trode one upon another. They was interested in this gospel. And we can move over to the 15th verse and it says take heed and beware of covetousness for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of these things which he possesses now these things I want these things the man's life does not consist of them things but we're going to transfer or translate over to the virtues of the spiritual man and we want to say that that is what your life must consist of today in the, the uh, sense of generosity. Well, in verse 17, verses 17 through 19, we see a young man that starts talking to himself. He's starting to justify himself. He said, he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room Word to bestow, bestow my fruits. Well, have you ever thought about blessing somebody else with them? But I don't have room for my fruits. And he says, I, he says this. He said, this is what I'll do. He starts talking to himself. He says, well, I'll start to, I'll pull down my barns and I'll build greater and now I will I bestow my fruits and my goods. Well, I'm just going to hoard them up. I'm just going to start keeping this stuff to myself and I'm going to just stack it up, stack it up. And pile it up, and pile it up, and he's, and then I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up 
Boy, I am set for a long time now. I'm gonna just take it easy. I'm gonna drink and eat and I'm gonna be merry because I have been blessed beyond measure and I'm able to stack it up for myself. Well, verse 20 says, But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? And here's the key verse for you and I, folks. So is he that layeth up his treasure for himself that is not rich towards God. Well, consider those ravens again. They neither sow nor they reap, but the Lord, he continues to bless them, don't he? And then verse 27, you consider the lilies, how they grow. They toll not, they spin not, and yet I say to you, that Solomon, y'all know, y'all acquainted with Solomon, and all that he had and all that he put into the temple, all the display of riches. But Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these little simple lilies. Just a flower that's out here in the field. Beautiful. God is so real in nature and teaches us those lessons. But go down to verse 34. Here again, we want you to take, take, take note of where your treasure is. There will your heart be also. And there's probably lots of areas that you can go for, go from on this particular topic itself. But on generosity, we want you to know that where your treasure is, there your heart will be. We had this chapter read because a reference got us over to verse 48. And the last half of that, last part of that verse is what we want to press upon us this morning. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. So, there's nothing wrong with having but it's going to be a lot required. The much that is given, the much is going to be required. Second Corinthians 9, 6 says, But this I say, He that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give. Every man according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give. Do I need to read that one more time? Every man according as he purposed in his heart. So let him give. Not grudgingly. Not of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. We're not going to keep hounding on the financial or our time. Is, but we want to give you, start working on the virtues of the believer now. And when you think about the virtues of the believer, I don't know where your mind goes to. But mine goes to Galatians 5 right away. And in the first verse, it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherein, wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Not to take this verse out of context, but we all want liberty. I, I have conversations with brethren that just are amazed at the liberty that they have in Christ. And that, that's great. 
That is a that is a that's a valuable thing is liberty. And you have that liberty in Christ. But it says right here, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty where wherewith Christ has made us free. So once you became free, you become free in, in his liberty, it also tells us not to be entangled again and become under the yoke of bondage. So if you're going to get free and you're going to work in his liberty, don't, don't digress. Don't go backwards and be entangled. But we soon jump down to verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, we're not just, don't get worked up. We're not going to take each one of these nine ingredients and dwell on them very long, but there is one in here that we're going to hone in on. Because you're probably thinking, boy, if he's going to try to get all nine of them in, we're going to have an afternoon session. But we're not. The fruit of the Spirit is love, which is charity. You can go to 1 Corinthians 13 and, and find out what love in action is. And there's joy. There's a choice. You know, joy is a choice. It's something you can choose to have in this liberty in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus. You got peace, and you got long suffering, and you got gentleness, you got goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. And it just simply tells us against that, no law. Against these, there's no law. You can have as much of this as you want. Not just one, but if you're going to have the fruit of the Spirit, you're going to encompass all nine of these ingredients to make up the fruit of the Spirit. Not just, you can't pick and choose which ones you want. You can't pick joy, and you can't pick faith, and you can't pick something and discard long-suffering, because long-suffering, it kind of gets to itself, don't it? Oh, boy. But anyway, thoughts of kindness. Kindness is the one that we really want to hone in on. It's much like grace. The difference between grace and kindness is that grace is an elegant movement, poise and balance, given the benefit of the doubt. This is, this is the grace that we've been so richly blessed with, generously. How are we going to bless others now with this grace? We can do it with elegance. We can make poise and balance movements and given the benefit of the doubt. Rather than just judging right away, how often do we give the benefit of the doubt? While kindness is a state of the being, kindness is, is something that's in here. Right in here. Caring, generous, considerate, even doing good deeds. Good deeds from the heart. Can you remember that good Samaritan? That guy, what all he done? His compassion, how far it drove, it drove him to stay with him the rest of the day, even till tomorrow? Would that, would that be a good definition of kindness? Where kindness is not seeking recognition. Kindness is not being as that rich man Genuinely is calling so that all could see how much he was putting into the treasure. Kindness is not about recognition. Kindness is not for hire. In other words, it's not to satisfy self. Kindness is not what we 
harbor up in here that we are able to share with the elite, with those that are up here where we think we can get something back. That's not <coughs> kindness. That's not the kindness we're talking about. We're talking about the kindness that you would be caring, generous, and considered, even doing good deeds. I got a scripture reference of Ephesians 6, 5 through 8. Ephesians 6, 5 through 8 says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and singleness of heart as unto Christ, not with eye service. Yeah, this is where this is why we reference this. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive to the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Well, it sounds to me like that we do get paid back, don't we? But it's from the Lord. It's not for recognition from man. Kindness. I'm trying to get my weeks straightened out here, but it was last week, I guess it was. Last week on Monday morning, I had a busy day. Uh, my, my schedule just full. Uh, boy, I didn't have no extra time. But I knew that I needed to get up early, hooked to the cattle trailer, and I was going to go pick up some cows from a, fr- uh, from a friend, a fellow uh, cattleman, and I was going to be back and have them unloaded so I could be at the shop at a respective time. And uh, so I went across Doe Run, and I turned on to uh, uh, Chestnut Hill Road, in my rush and my haste, and just after I got on Chestnut Hill Road, I come up behind a school bus. And this school bus has red lights flashing, so I stopped, and he soon picked up the students and shut his door and went about as far as he is the road, or twice as far maybe, and stopped again. And this happened. Six, seven stops across Chestnut Hill Road. And I said, when he gets over to Route 40, I hope he turns left because I want to go right. Well, we finally made it to Route 40, and I don't even remember which way he turned. But anyway, I went right, and I soon went on my way, but here I done lost all this time. My forbearance just wasn't very strong that morning. Well, it worked out that on our schedule on Friday morning, I needed to go right down that same path to meet an 8 o'clock appointment. And I went down Doe Run Road, and it was, it was 7.42 on the clock on my dash. And as I was coming out to Chestnut Hill Road, I was approaching Chestnut Hill Road, and sure enough, there comes a school bus up the opposite way with a signal on to turn on to, Ch- uh, I was on Doe Run Road, ready to turn on to Chestnut Hill Road. And the first thing that popped in my mind, I have an appointment to make. Please, bus. And you know what? So I got all this through, I was up to the intersection, and that bus driver sat there in motion for me to go ahead. She had to ride away. And I knew kind of what was on my mind, and I said, Lord, thank you for letting me see 
a lesson on kindness this morning. And man, ever since then, I've tried not to let those old emotions of wait, 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 get me down. Ephesians 4.32 says, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ for God's sake hath forgiven you. How generous am I with my forgiveness? Do I just forgive when it's convenient? Or do I keep tallies for a later date? Oh yeah, I'll say, I'll tell you I forgive you. Yet I'm in the back of my mind, I'm still remembering what that school bus did. He held me up. Made me late. Proverbs 14 says, Do they not err that devise evil? But I like this last part. But mercy and truth shall be to them that devise good. Mercy and truth shall be good to them that devise truth. Let's go up on kindness. Let's, let's sing hymn number 155. And I want you to listen to these words. How condescending and how kind was God's eternal Son. Our misery reached his heavenly mind and pity brought him down. That's gracious, isn't it? That pity brought him down. When justice by our sins provoked drew forth his dreadful sword, he gave his soul up to the stroke without a murmuring word. This was compassion of our God, generous compassion of our God. For as the Savior knew, the price of pardon was his blood and his pity never withdrew. Now though he reigns exalted high, his love, generous love, is still as great. Well, he remembers Calvary and don't let his saints forget. Kindness, kindness is an extension of Christ's forgiveness. There in Ephesians 4, 31, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Then what does it do? It follows right back up with that verse we already quoted. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Kindness, it heals relationships. Oh, sure it does. Proverbs tells us that a gentle answer turned away, turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Kindness is a reflection of God's own heart. Galatians 5.22 Right back to where we are with that uh, catalog of nine listing. The fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, and joy, and so forth. Being kind is given even when it seems like you have nothing to give. Does that catch us? When we seem like we don't have time, we don't have finances, we don't have whatever, but we Keep within ourselves that inventory of kindness that we receive from above. How generous are we when we give kindness back out? When we seem like we have nothing to give. Kindness is making someone smile just if it's for a moment. That's one less moment that they're frowning. Kindness can be the greatest gift that you can give a person, especially when they're not expecting it. It's a great gift. Kindness is 
is an attitude. It's a being that is within us. Goodness in that list from Galatians 5.22. Have you ever been a recipient of kindness? I'd say you have been, but I want to share a personal story of once that I received un well, I received kindness, but it was unexpected, and it's just hard to explain why I received this. Back in November of 22, I was scheduling up a farm tour for some potential customers to go do a, a little ways out of town, and so I asked Nedra if I could uh, plan on using the Tahoe for this tour rather than the, than the truck. And the reason I wasn't wanting to use this truck is because this truck was has dents on all four corners and a couple scrapes down the side and inside on the floor mats it's a lot of farm dirt. My tools are not real organized in it. And uh, when Ned and I talk about my truck, I, I talk, talk about those dents as being battle scars and She's quick to tell me that it's, she calls them carelessness. And here we are, we got this truck. She's agreed to let me use the Tahoe for this farm tour. Well, a couple weeks pass and the time comes for me to take this, to take this tour on a Friday and on Thursday night, she uh, says, you know, I, I just, I need a Tahoe tomorrow. I have an appointment for this Tahoe. I said, well, honey, we, we, we decided or we agreed that I was going to be able to have the Tahoe tomorrow and you was going to take the truck. It wasn't going real well and she, uh, so I thought about it and her appointment was nine o'clock and I really didn't have to leave till maybe 10 or quarter to 10. So I agreed that what I'd do is that I'd let her take the Tahoe to her appointment. And I would uh, come when I needed to and park the truck and pick up the Tahoe and I'd go my way and she'd come home in the truck. And the way I remember it was that she made sure I understood to kind of park the truck out on the far end of the parking lot. So I made that uh, made that switch and I went on went on and picked up my customers and made and just had a big day of a farm touring and coming home late that night. So when I got home at night, sitting in my driveway, was a farm truck had been through the car wash, detailed, but why? I went in and Nedra shared with me what she endured with her act of kindness. When she pulled up to the car wash, she knew that she couldn't go through this automatic car wash with all these brushes and stuff without first stopping and cleaning the junk out of the back bed, putting that stuff somewhere. And while she was a cleaning out the, cleaning that out, a gentleman come down to go through the car wash and he stopped and told her, he says, I believe you're going to have to run that one through twice. But she went through the car wash and then pulled over to do the vacuum and do the inside cleanup and 
the person that pulled up beside her to do their vehicle looked over at her and she said, well, looking at the vehicle, they said, well, somebody had a bad week. But through all this, she continued to wash and detail this old farm truck. And that's what I seen in the driveway when I got home. And you know, I had the cleanest farm truck for a day, day and a half, probably in the area. Kindness. It really goes a long ways. I don't know why I received that kind of kindness that day on an old farm truck. It made me smile for a moment. I wasn't expecting it. But it still brings joy to my heart to this day to know that someone cares. You know, you can, I'm going to let you do that. The time is fast leaving us here, but I want you to live as a new person by reading what you would read in Ephesians 4, 17 down through the end of the chapter. A new person where you can smile more often. You can give more compliments. You can listen with your full attention. You can donate your time and finances if necessary. You can volunteer. You can forgive others. You can be kind even when it's difficult. But this one right here from me, you can even think before you speak. And you can be a difference maker wherever the Lord leads you in life. You can have forbearance. Forbearance is just refraining from the enforcement of something that is due. Something that someone deserves. But by forbearance, you are generously extending God's mercy on what he didn't give me that I deserve. Do I have time for one more story? Yeah. All right. They say, yeah. I want to give you a challenge on what I have to forbear with. Over where I have cows, uh, I just have a 50-foot right-of-way through uh, two lots on each side and then the barns and stuff sitting back. And as I pull in, the neighbors on the left-hand side, it's not a high priority of theirs to keep their yard free of trash and debris. They, uh, matter of fact, currently they have a trailer sitting out front that when they get a kitchen trash bag full, they just toss it out the front door into this trailer. And between the seven or eight dogs they have running around, that trash does not stay in the trailer. They have a couple young children that, that they ride the bicycles and when they get done, they just let them lay where they lay and, and uh, different toys and stuff end up over on my side and I pick up trash and put it on my burn pile and just try to try to keep my area somewhat clean, but it needs improvement too. But I try to forbear with this, try not to let it bother me. I do look at it and shake my heads at times. I even holler at the dogs, tell them to get back over on their side of the fence. And I pick up toys and I throw them back over and I push your bicycle back around on their side and lean up against the fence post on their side. But my forbearance gets thin. 
This one day, there's a ball over on my side of the fence, and it's just kind of triggered me. And I said, all right, I'm going to kick that ball so hard that that ball is going to go across the fence and back up next to the house where it belongs. And I reared back and gave it a kick, and lo and behold, it was a bowling ball. The lack of forbearance, it'll cost you. It'll give you pain. Folks, take the message today. Of all the love, of all the joy, of all the peace, of all the long-suffering, of all the gentleness, of all the goodness, and faith, and meekness, and temperance, that the good Lord Almighty has gave to us generously. Please take that generously out of these walls today. We had an in-gathering. Now you're going to have an outgoing. What are you going to do with the generosity that God has given you in these elements? From where we're at just now, we have been invited to let's go up higher.